I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head, I could do my own internal, like yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears, I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, a woman's work facilitator, mentor, and coach, and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment and leave a review as this is how you can help us reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. The Natural Birth Podcast also has a Patreon page, so if you'd like to shout me a cup of coffee to show me your appreciation for the podcast, then you can do that there. Thank you for all your support and love. It's deeply appreciated. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Amy. Amy is a mama of one from a small town in Washington state. She enjoys cooking and gardening, hiking and spending time in the natural landscape around her small town. When she was newly pregnant, the thought about birth terrified her. But with each conversation with women in her community who had a positive birth experience, as well as listening to the Natural Birth Podcast, she gained confidence and went into her home birth with such positive momentum. Through her pregnancy and natural birth, she has come to view childbirth as a rite of passage with invaluable lessons to learn. Like surrendering to the fact that her home birth turned into a birth center birth as her midwife was tied up with another birthing woman when Amy went into labor. In this episode, Amy shares about her midwife discovering an anterior cervical lip when doing a vaginal examination. And after having maybe four or five interviews of late, where women share about their midwives finding an anterior lip and telling them not to push or that they should try to push the lip over the baby's head while the woman has a contraction, I decided to speak to this and challenge it, as you will hear in our interview. I recently written a blog post about all the routine birth procedures today primarily done in hospital, but some also in birth centers and at home. And I'll link it in the show notes. You can go there and actually download all the information in a free PDF. 
because I want you to feel empowered in your birth and knowledge is key to this. Please pop on over and download it and spread it to your pregnant friends and share it on your social. It's so important that each woman understands the consequences of routine and often non-evidence-based practices such as not pushing when you have an anterior lip, even though your body is telling you to do so. Hi, Amy, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? I'm great, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. I am truly honored to be here. I'm so excited to have you on to come and share your story. You know, as a first-time mama, having an empowering and natural birth, it's always so inspiring to have uh, someone on who had that experience as her first to really um, give all her wisdom uh, an advice to a mama who might be pregnant right now, you know, wanting to have the same experience. So with no further ado, Amy, take us back to falling pregnant. Um, did you know already from the get-go that a natural birth was for you or, you know, wanting to have a midwife as your birth or as your care provider? All right. So I guess we'll start from the beginning. Um, this time last year, so in October, I and my husband decided to go off birth control. Um, and I'd been on an IUD for 12 years, so a really long time. And it had worked great for me. Um, and I was ready, you know, um, I'm 35 and, well, I was 34 at the time. And I was ready, you know, for a long time it had, I'd known deep down, I wanted to be a mother, but I think I'd fought it a little bit. And, you know, there are reasons to not have kids, um, but that wasn't for me, you know, it was, and so we just kind of took the leap of faith. My dad had said that about having kids and I thought it was so beautiful. Like it is really just taking a leap and, um, and we were ready. So we took the leap of faith and I didn't know how long it would take me to get pregnant, obviously, but I hadn't had any periods um, the whole time I'd been on the IUD. So I was kind of like, okay, like I, I have no idea what my body um, is going to do. Is it going to fall into this natural rhythm? Is it going to take a really long time? But it didn't. <laughs> so it took about two months and, um, before I'd gotten pregnant, I'd, we live, my husband and I live in a really small, beautiful kind of like high mountain desert town here in Washington. And the, like the primary care physicians I would see are limited. I mean, I have a primary care physician here, but I don't see her like I'm healthy. I've seen her maybe twice in eight years. I just know her cause she's my neighbor, <laughs> uh, small town. And so, and I met with another woman who is a pediatrician and that just didn't really click for me. And a midwife here had come highly recommended from friends that had worked with her and they'd done hospital births as well as home births. So her name's Sarah Simmons and she's amazing. I call her an earth angel. And I met with her before I got pregnant and it was just, it clicked like, 
I loved what she had to say about um, personalized care. I loved the idea of, I would know this person and my husband and I would build a relationship with them. And then, and then she would be there um, when I had my child. So I knew going in that that's what, that that's the route I was going to take, but kind of being in America um, and my dad's worked in healthcare my whole life. So um, just kind of being growing up in that world, I'd always thought that I would do kind of the traditional American, see your doctor very little in these short little visits and then give birth in a hospital. But that's wasn't, that wasn't what I was committed to. And that wasn't kind of my path. So when I found out I was pregnant, um, I just really started that journey of educating myself. Um, and what was so helpful for me, I found out kind of early on was having those conversations with mothers. Um, they didn't have to look like home birth or a natural birth because in my mind, I was kind of preparing myself for all contingencies. So I heard horror stories, but I also heard amazing stories. And I'd say about probably the beginning of my second trimester, I found this podcast and I started listening to these on walks that I'd go on after work and just kind of immersed myself in that world of the positive stories. And those, and also the stories that I was having firsthand, those just gave me so much momentum. It felt like a ball was slowly getting rolling, you know, and even if it was just a conversation, um, I felt like I was being proactive. And so ultimately by the time I gave birth. I was like, let's do this. Like, I was so excited. (laughs) Um, And I felt like I had just my head on straight um, to, I had realistic expectations. I had, I felt really supported. And that certainly wasn't the case in the beginning. I was scared. Like, you know, it's, you don't know what to expect. And um, so it really was transformative for me, just that pregnancy. So that was great. Yeah. So coming from thinking you were just going to do like the normal hospital birth to actually falling pregnant and just knowing you would go with your midwife that you'd met and that you'd gotten highly recommended. So beautiful. So take us then into the birth story. Did you have any early signs of labor approaching for you? I mean, actually, did you plan to have a home birth or a hospital birth or? We did. We plan to have a home birth. Um, my midwife has a birth center. So like I said, we live pretty rural and she has an office here in our little community. And then she has a birth center and an office about 45 minutes away um, in kind of the next valley over. And so we but we'd planned a home birth. We had the tub ready. Um, it was just, pl- we were planning on my husband and I and Sarah, my midwife, and she has an assistant. And um, so I was a week past due and it was really interesting for me because my whole, it was my first pregnancy. I'd been told to expect 
to deliver or to go into labor after my due date. And I'd expected that I'd vocalized that during my pregnancy. So when people asked when he would do was due, I'd say late or late October or sorry, late September, early October. And so I'd vocalized that. And I, I was in my mind, I knew it was probably going to happen. But once I passed my due date, something just kind of clicked or I I just started to feel uncomfortable, not physically, because I'd had this amazing, healthy, super active, positive pregnancy. And then there was just something about it, um, something mental about it that just kind of, I just, I felt like I was losing momentum. I felt like something, I don't know. It was, it was just kind of a break between my mental I knew that everything was fine and he was healthy in there. Um, I was just ready. I think I was just ready to meet my baby. And um, so, yeah, so I was a week past due and I took castor oil in the morning. What? And I know, I know. Because I, um, I just, I was ready. I, was, I felt like I was losing that momentum. So I mixed it in a milkshake and... I didn't have any bad side effects. Um, Okay. I didn't get nauseous. I didn't throw up. For Um, anyone listening who doesn't really know this, so castor oil is like this, you know, natural, if you want to say natural, (laughs) induction method at home, right? So mamas will take castor oil. Now, it can give you really, really bad effects. Now, I'm so happy you didn't have that. (laughs) Yeah. And there's tricks on how to take it together with other things that, um, you, you know, counteract the negative side effects such as, because what it does is that castor oil gives you like diarrhea. It upsets your stomach. And so the what happens is because it irritates the bowels, it also irritates the womb. And if the womb is ready to go into labor, it can put you into labor, but it can also, and this is my disclaimer for anyone listening, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. that you need to know what you're doing here and whether or not you do choose to do this. You know, I don't like recommend it, but I know a lot of women who come close to their due or not due date, but to like 42 weeks will do this. Um, like a little um, drink with um, apricot and um, uh, almond meal and I get, uh, just all these different things that counteract the bad effects. But the thing that what can happen is that you can just have a really bad 24 hours of fake labor, diarrhea, vomiting, and then not actually continue. Like, oh my that. gosh. Then don't <laughs> do it. Anyone. <laughs> that <laughs> is the risk. For me. <laughs> well, this is the thing, you know, Amy, like for some it's, it works for some, it puts them into labor. They don't have bad side effects for some. It does put them in labor. They have bad side effects and they vomit and have diarrhea the whole labor and, and you know for some they have the opposite where it you know it puts them into fake labor they go for maybe a whole 24 hours feeling shit and then they don't inc- they don't ever transition to active labor so it's a risk but it obviously paid off for you so tell us you took castor oil did yeah. you take it with something else did you take it purely or did you mix it with something to help it not have the bad so side effects i made a milkshake mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I mixed it with peanut butter and ice cream and just blended it up Okay. So, I mean, it tasted, it tasted like I was chewing on lipstick, um, <laughs> and, but yeah, there was no bad side effects. I mean, I was kind of prepared for a tummy ache, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I had also really felt like my body was ready. Like every night I would go to bed and I would be a little bit crampy mm-hmm. and my mind was just like, it is time. It is time. It is time. So, um, yeah, so I did that first thing in the morning. I'd slept great. I was still sleeping quite well. Um, and I was physically feeling really good, but just my mind had my mind. Like I I just felt like I was losing that momentum. So it was time. It was time for me. I didn't want to lose all this positive, this positive work I'd been doing. So yeah, I took it first thing in the morning and then we just kind of went about our day and, um, this is America. So we watched football, uh, and I made a pizza and it's funny looking at the pictures on my phone. It's like, I took a picture of castor oil and then I took a picture of a milkshake and then I took a picture of a pizza and then I have a picture of my mucus plug. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so it's probably around two in the afternoon. So it was quite a while, mm-hmm. um, that, I, so I, that day I'd feel it, I was feeling more crampy and then my lower back started to hurt quite a bit and I just felt a little different and I hadn't had any signs of labor leading up to this. I never had Braxton Hicks. Um, so it was, I knew something was different and I'd talked with, oh my gosh, this was this was the bad thing about the castor oil. So I'd taken it and then, and then I texted my midwife and I was like, Sarah, you know, what do you think about this? And she said, Amy, well, I think it's fine, but let's not do it today. She said, because I'm in labor with another mom. And I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? (laughs) So, um, so I felt my first contraction around two and you know, everything you read tells you it will be slow at first. It will, you'll have 15 minutes or some time between contractions, like this early labor period. But that wasn't the case for me at all. Well, this um, is, you know, I first just, of all, like labor is different from everyone, but also when you do fiddle with it, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> when you yes, fiddle with it, then, then this can happen. So. <laughs> so yeah, I just went zero to 60. Um, I was... <laughs> They were about six minutes apart just right away. And so, um, and I'd kind of the previous week I'd lost my mucus plug, but not altogether. Like I would lose a little bit and then maybe it would grow back or maybe I was, yeah. So, yeah. So that's great actually for everyone to know that losing your mucus plug doesn't mean you're going to go into labor, mm-hmm. you know, as you probably have heard on the podcast, I've said this before is that it can grow back. Well, it, it will grow back. You know, you can lose it. It can mean you're going to labor. Or can, you can lose it and then you can lose it again in a week's time and you can lose it again. Like, you know, you can continue to lose it because it doesn't mean that you're in labor. It can be. Yeah. Bit, so. so when that happened, um, I, you know, I let my midwife know and she was like, well, it doesn't really mean anything. And she was, she said, it means your body's getting ready to go into labor. So, so I was having contractions at home and we started timing them and kind of knowing that, that I wasn't going to deliver at home at this point. So Brandon, my husband was talking with our midwife and she said, okay, like these are, this is what I'm looking for. You're Amy's in active labor. I was about five minutes apart consistently. And then um, 
I went to the bathroom and I'd lot, it was like the bloody show. Like I, there was a lot of blood in the toilet. Um, and I was just kind of breathing through contractions. Um, I'd bend over a dresser or a counter. Um, and then it was time to get in the car. <laughs> so, so it was, we, we, yeah, we just got in the car and it wasn't, we maybe for a minute were a little bit frazzled that our plan, our home birth wasn't going to happen, but mm. you know, that's, I was prepared to roll with some punches. So we got in the car and we drove about, it's about 45 minutes to where the birth center was. Um, and that was getting interesting towards the end. It's, you know, in labor, you want to be able to move and be in different positions. And so I was like backwards and (laughs) hugging the seat. Um, and so we got there and, my midwife was in labor with another mom. So I, um, I was with her birthing assistant, which was great. I knew Stephanie. I'd worked with her my whole pregnancy and she was there with me for probably a couple hours before Sarah was able to come in and focus on what was going on with that labor. But yeah, we, Stephanie was with me. My husband was with me. I was just breathing through contractions, um, kind of bent over the bed. I was like on my hands and knees. When Sarah checked me, I was five centimeters. So um, we hadn't really, she asked if I wanted to get a check and I said, sure, just kind of see where we are. I hadn't really planned to do that, but but I was encouraged. I know it's not linear. I know Ooh. it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I was, I was encouraged. So, and that's why I think I was afraid to get checked before I'd gone into labor. Cause I didn't want to be discouraged. Yeah. So true. And that's the thing with vaginal examinations, you know, if it's a woman's choice, you know, it's a woman's yeah. choice, you know, and yeah, for some it's really helpful you know, to just kind of have an idea. And for some, it's really not. And I, you know, I just really encourage everyone to just follow their own intuition and, you know, and you'll know when you're in labor, if you want it or not, and just follow your truth then as well. And knowing that nothing is law, even, you know, now you had this beautiful home birth midwife, birth center, birth midwife that looks at birth very differently from the standard hospital, which will be, you know, wanting to do a vaginal examination every two to four hours, and maybe even, more so, you know, I had a woman on just last week where they with their first checked like I think twice an hour. It was crazy. So I mean that's it's such a different scenario, right? Than as you right. coming in, you know, into this very different environment when someone really knows how to hold the space for physiological birth and and um woman-centered birth for sure. Yeah. So I and they set up the tub. So the birth center had, I didn't know this until after the fact, but it's a birth center. So of course there's this amazing room with a giant tub and these beds. And, um, but I was in my midwife's office. So <laughs> I was on a futon. <laughs> this right. is all my doing, by the way. Oh, because she only had one room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. But I didn't know this um, and it didn't <sighs> affect me at all. So they set up, Brandon, my husband had bought 
or had brought the tub with him because Sarah had told him to. So they started setting that up. Nice. And, you know, so after the fact, I talked with uh, Stephanie, the assistant, and I had her, I asked her to just kind of write like a simple play-by-play of the birth because you do, you are in labor land. You really, mm-hmm. and some of the things she wrote, I was like, what? I did what? Or we did what? But she told me that at this point I was in certainly an active labor, but it was early active labor. I was still talking. I was still kind of joking. So yeah, we just settled in and I breathed through contractions. I was having a lot of like lower back and like rectum pain. Mm. Um, so that's what I was just working through then. And Brandon and the assistant were doing a lot of counter pressure. Nice. Um, other than that, I really didn't appreciate being touched. I just mm. kind of wanted my space and lights out. And I just needed that kind of almost to feel like I was in a womb is what I was, you know, looking back. That's what it felt like. Yeah, that's exactly the primal brain, you know, like all animals. Like we, if you just look at cats, like they'll just find the yeah. dark little corner in <laughs> in your wardrobe and like give birth there, you know, they just go in hiding in, in darkness. And that, that's what women tend to primarily want to do, you know, if they actually listen. Yeah. And I'd, before the birth people had asked me who was going to be there and I was like, no one, <laughs> no one is going to be there. Um, so, because I knew I didn't want that stimulation or energy just right away. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my, my parents live here. And so that was an option to have, you know, to have them involved. And I have a sister who lives in Canada, who's just a couple hours away and I love her and she's amazing. She's had two babies. And so that kind of crossed my mind to have her there, but no, it crossed my mind. And then it left. Like I, I just needed, I just needed to be in my own little world without a lot going on. So, so that's what I was doing. I was just, um, just getting through contractions. And yeah, I mean, I remember at this point, I remember being afraid, which I wasn't expecting. I was, and I remember saying that to um, Stephanie that I was afraid of transition Mm -hmm. because it was really intense. It was intense. And um, I was being, I was getting through contractions by being really vocal. Um, So I was making a lot of noises um, and, you know, I was just kind of moaning and just whatever was coming out of my mouth. And that's how I was getting through it. And I would sway and um, I tried kind of laying down, which I, I appreciated because I could rest you know, I could rest better, but for me, just kind of being on my knees, kind of bent over the futon was what was working. And, um, at some point they got the, the birth tub set up and, and so I got in and that was great. Um, it wasn't what I expected. Like what it did was it gave me some time, like, like you hear this, I heard this on the podcast and from other mamas 
where it just slows things down a little bit. And that's what I needed. Mm. I needed a little bit of time to breathe. Mm. Um, Just taking that, just taking it down one notch really did help me. And it kind of helped me settle my mind and um, yeah, just kind of stay on top of that wave um, Mm. that I was that I was writing. So and probably arrive in that space fully. I mean, that's what's so magical about water. It's, it can be so grounding to to be in the water and having had to leave your home, you were supposed to have a home birth and yeah. and then, you know, coming to this new space. I mean, it takes a while to settle, you know, and I always tell mama that who goes to a birth center or to a hospital like that trip will it will destabilize you a little bit, you know, take you out oh, of yeah. your, yeah, your birthing brain. And it takes a while, I would say a minimum of an hour to arrive in that new space and maybe longer. And yeah, to have that bath probably did also help you to really arrive in the space. So, Yeah. And so I labored in the tub for a little bit. I was really warm. So they were blasting me with, fans and and I ended up getting out of the tub and then I just moved around um albeit uncomfortably but I was I was able to get out of the tub and move around and bend over and um just find what was comfortable for me and I think that that moving it was so helpful you know it's it's so helpful and just having that that agency to do that. Um, so one thing that was kind of special was there was that other mom there. And so I could kind of hear her going through the same thing. And she was ahead of me. So at some point, I remember looking up and Brandon and I were smiling because we could hear the baby. So mm-hmm. she just birthed and it was just kind of special to be like, okay, that's what's that's going to be us, you know? And so that was, that was cool. And so that birth, you know, she gave birth and, uh, you know, maybe an hour later, Sarah, my midwife was there. She was with me. Um, and I was starting to sound pretty pushy to her. So she asked if I wanted to be, she kind of wanted to check again. I, I don't know if it was like intuition um, on her part, but she was like, I think we should check since you're starting to push. So it's great that she did. Um, I was fully dilated and I think this was about 9 PM. Um, but my, there was like a lip of my cervix that was still around his head. So Um, she just said, we can rest, we can do our best to breathe through these contractions. So you're not pushing and kind of inflaming your cervix or during contractions, I can reach in and I can kind of try to move this. So that's what we did. I was in the tub again and during contractions, I would kind of float. So my husband would support me. He would support my weight and Sarah would, you know, go in there and try to move this lip of my cervix, which was, um, it was uncomfortable and, um, you know, but we did that for quite a while. It wasn't entirely working. And so Mm -hmm. she just said, okay, we're going to, 
we're going to let your body do what it needs to do. Mm. We're gonna... oh, and I just wish that she'd done that from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it's being, it seems to be a theme. I don't know. I've had a few mamas like yourself who have had a home birth or birth center birth where this is a thing. And, and I keep on like, I, I just want to talk about it because I think it's so unnecessary and so um, disturbing that this is still practiced and it's practiced with home birth midwives and births and the birth midwives when the whole thing about an anterior, like if you leave birth alone, like you'll birth your baby. If you feel pushy, there's a reason you feel pushy. Even if you had been like seven centimeters or something and you felt the urge yeah. to push, it's like, why does your body want to push or, or, or use very strong that kind of uh, bearing down energy it's because it's doing something useful it's doing it like, nature is wise like why would yeah. women why would women have these urges i think it's so um detrimental to the birth process and also like so contradicts what we always say to women which is trust your instinct and intuition and your birthing body your baby and your body knows how to birth themselves and there's a reason why you feel pushy and it doesn't matter what you know this whole thing about <laughs> I just, it just drives me nuts the whole thing about yeah. checking dilatation <laughs> I, I can't even tell you how much it like rubs me out the wrong way and, and it makes me like almost angry because you know that was invented from men who wanted to measure women's bodies and it's still being used because even in home birth and birth center settings we're still so it's such an indoctrination to think that we have to measure women's bodies to allow them to birth their babies. Whereas like, if no one had checked you, you would have just continued to push until your baby was out, right? And the whole thing, right. and I just want to mention this because a lot of midwives would go like, oh yeah, well, what about inflamed cervixes? <laughs> what about swollen cervixes? Like that is such a rarity. And where it was picked up from the beginning was on women on their backs having epidurals pushing for a prolonged state lying down in that position so this is actually truly where it comes from this whole thing about this anterior lip so it comes from actually seeing that swollen lip happen on those women on their back with epidurals pushing for a really prolonged uh, time in that position and if you are a woman following your natural urges you're upright you're using gravity your cervix and your body knows what to do to birth your baby it's like what is the thing about swollen cervixes no it's not a thing in that physiological natural space yes if you have a medicalized birth yes you should do vaginal examinations if you're having an epidural you're doing anything else that's medicalized in the hospital you need to check because it's a totally different situation but if you're having a physiological natural birth, like I really want to challenge any midwife listening to this podcast because I know you're there and you're listening. <laughs> you know, if this is your practice, I want to challenge you. And I want you to go and research and everyone listening can do this. Dr. Rachel Reed talks greatly about this, about um, the anterior lip and, and all these things. So she is a great researcher and has you know so much um, evidence behind her, what she speaks about. And I really encourage any midwife who thinks that I'm, talking uh, gibberish to look at this and rethink their practice do you want a natural birth mama then a natural birth course might be for you 
Do you see birth as a rite of passage and an important and transformational event that you'd like to feel fully empowered in meeting? Are you, like many other women, realizing that it is time to take back your power as a birthing woman in the birth space and birth your baby your way? Would you like to feel calm and confident as you birth your baby with all the tools you need in order to meet the labor sensations naturally and be ready body, mind and soul? Do you deeply down know that your body was made to birth your baby and that you have all the inherent power and inner wisdom to do so? Are you looking for holistic midwifery wisdom and guidance to assist you and give you all the evidence-based information you need in order to feel fully sovereign in your decision-making around your pregnancy and upcoming birth? Then the Natural Birth Course is for you. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. Anyway, so you were, she was doing that anterior lift thing and, and which for anyone listening, that means actually putting her fingers up the vagina, trying to push mm-hmm. away the cervix. That is so like, that hurts. And it that was would, pretty difficult. Yeah. And that would, the, even the act of that would make you tense. Even if you think about like trying to relax, having someone's fingers up your vagina, hurting your cervix on top of also having contractions and like you know, being in labor that will not help you have a physiological birth that that will interfere it will interfere you know it's an intervention that interferes with the physiology yeah when i was writing down um just a couple days after the birth when i was writing it down i had a lot i had a lot to say about that part of the birth because it was um it was difficult for me and i remember at one point saying, Sarah, I need you to get out of me. Like I, and that stuck in my head, like, because I was trying to be really strong and not complain um, in labor. But I, that was one time that I pushed back. I was like, Sarah, I need you to get out of my body right now. Cool. Um, Good. So, so we, we stopped doing that. Um, and then you're right. My body did, but she said that she was like, your body's gonna navigate this. Hmm. Um, so that's what we did. I just, I breathed through contractions. I was probably in the tub for a couple hours. Um, but then I wanted to get out again. So I got out. Um, and so I was, and I was starting to push and I didn't enjoy pushing. I thought I would, um, <laughs> but it was, I think what was really difficult for me was just the absolute surrender. And I didn't expect that either, but it was, you're in it at that point. You are, you are in it and you're giving it everything you've got. And it's very difficult and you have to just, you know, you are birth. You are this force that is foreign. Um, and really powerful and you just are you're in this other state and you have to accept it and that was difficult for me um but that's where I was and so it was difficult 
but but it was also really beautiful and powerful. And so I was pushing. I was kind of almost in like child's pose. Um, they were kind of suggesting, I think technically, Sarah, we talked about this afterwards. Um, I think in a hospital, they would have thought I was stalled and they would have probably intervened at this point. Um, but instead, I was encouraged to try different different positions. I pushed on the toilet for about half an hour. And I tried a birthing stool, which I didn't love. So I didn't, you know, I didn't stay there. And, and then ultimately, um, I was tired. It's so funny going into birth. I was like, why are these women? Why is the one of these reoccurring uh, descriptions of birth? I'm so exhausted. <laughs> you are so, so exhausted. And um, so what we ended up doing and how I delivered was I was laying on my back, which I didn't, you know, which I didn't expect, but it's what was letting me rest between contractions and just kind of felt natural um, for me mm. was I was laying on my back and my husband was behind me. And so mm. I could, during a contraction, I could kind of bear down and use his arms mm. to, to get some leverage and, I'd tuck my chin and um, it was, it was beautiful because he was there with me. I felt supported. Um, it felt like we were doing it together. And so, yeah, I think I was in that position for about 40 minutes and, and then my baby boy was born. So towards the end, I don't, I didn't really feel a ring of fire but it was, there was a lot of pressure, um, a lot of stretching mm. and what was difficult. I, I didn't have that burning sensation, but what was difficult for me was I just felt like I wasn't, there was no break, like in between a contraction, it was still very intense, mm. but you know, I just breathed around those. I liked that, that verbiage that my midwife would say, she was just, just breathe around that sensation and I could tell I was making progress the whole time I was pushing, which was really encouraging. And I was able to reach down and feel him, which was otherworldly. You know, it's, it's a whole, it's, it's insane. Um, and so I knew I was really close and just that next contraction, I, I, I felt his head come out and, I think I should have been more patient, but cause I just kept pushing. And so he came out with one contraction. Um, and I did end up tearing during that, but he was a really big baby. He was nine pounds, 10 ounces. Um, and it was fine. You know, it was just a couple, it was a couple stitches and I filled up great, but I think if I'd been more patient and I could have been more present, mm. um, maybe that would have been a different outcome, but, but our bodies are amazing and yeah. they, yeah. So they heal, especially the vagina, mm -hmm. you know, it's very similar, if not even better at healing than your mouth, you know, when you like bite your tongue mm -hmm. and it hurts like hell, <laughs> and <it's Yeah>. <laughs> but literally in a day or two, you've forgotten you did that because it's just healed back. Yeah. The same with the vagina and especially around the time of birth. It's just, 
it becomes really quite swollen and juicy on all levels. It becomes swollen and juicy with like internally for the baby to come through and get, you know, the immunization yeah. that comes from, from you. But then also just um, it increases with blood, just the whole pregnancy. And that's why a lot of women also feel very sexual in pregnancy because there's just a lot of blood flow down there. A lot and, going on. You know, and it increases yeah. as well, um, you know, coming up to birth so all and, and you have to remember that what actually truly heals is is the blood it's blood circulation like feel everything in the body where yeah. the blood can't get through things can't heal because it brings all the healing agents doesn't it that's the blood's you know mission <laughs> to do to circulate yeah. oxygen and nutrients and all the things that heals us and so if you don't think about it like our vaginas at birth have so much of that so it does heal back really beautifully most of the time. And yes, you're right. Like being, being a bit slow in the actual birth process of the head and the body um, definitely helps, you know, sometimes, sometimes though it's also up to our tissues, you know, how well have we taken care of our bodies? You know, how hydrated are we? How well are we, you know, giving ourselves nutrients you know are we only eating mcdonald's or are we eating lots of fruits and veggies you know what i mean like that affects yeah. our tissues you know and and how well we heal and and so we can optimize that obviously too for greatest effect of both yeah. best tearing and and greater healing i was reading i only read two books two books during my pregnancy and one of them was um birthing from within which i loved and then Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. And uh, one of the last chapters I read from Ina May's was she was talking about how the vagina is just so amazing and it can accommodate. It it should seem, you know, on paper, it seems impossible, mm. but it's not. And it can accommodate these beings that we've grown and it is just, and it's meant to do that. So that's its job and it's amazing. So, um, yeah. And I have healed up great and yeah, it's really, you know, after he was born, um, they placed him on my chest right away. And I just remember saying like, Oh, my baby. And my husband was crying. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And, um, yeah. So we were there for probably four or five hours before we went home and you're in La La Land. I remember shaking a lot immediately after birth and my husband was worried, but it's adrenaline. And um, yeah, yeah. yeah so for that anyone that crazy. doesn't know, you know, yeah. it's a really good thing to talk about because quite a lot of women will have, yeah, will start shaking after birth and it's just the release off the adrenaline because you get a surge mm -hmm. and babies get a surge too when they're born naturally through the vagina you know they have all their cascade of hormones happening and at the end when they're being born they also have a an increase of adrenaline and we do too because that's what we need to birth right to have this big this, this big challenge of birthing it's, it's enormous and so the mama gets it and the baby gets it and so for the mama, that means afterwards she might shake to just kind of shake off that adrenaline. And for the baby, it means that they come out super alert. Yeah, that's what that does, you know. So they have these big eyes and they can imprint on your face and they can imprint on like your smell and, and 
getting straight to the breast to breastfeed you know it's nature's amazing the sign of survival you know we're primed to live babies are primed to live and that baby if left alone will bump around its head and trying to actually move itself like as a military like baby crawl mm-hmm. like it's uh, amazing if you just allow your baby to do that it might take a while it might take up to an hour but you know that's an amazing way to initiate breastfeeding is to allow the baby to just go eh, 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 mm-hmm. and like baby crawl up to your breast I remember watching those videos before oh. birth I was like, oh my gosh look at these little little warriors but yeah so we we just had that time and um you know that part is really a blur and Brandon was with the baby for quite a while because I was getting stitched up um and that was fine you know I was I would say in my mind, I was disappointed that that happened, but it's, it's a reality. And yeah, 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 you know, and again, we have to remember that we do heal really well and, and, you know, about 50% of women will have a little bit of a skin tear or or a little bit into the muscle, which is just the perineum, Mm -hmm. which is again, you know, for some doesn't even need a stitch, you know, it depends on if you can actually adhere to staying in bed and resting. You know, in our culture today, that's not very common. But if you actually truly learn about the importance of postpartum, hopefully you you, know, you do rest for those weeks after birth and, and heal. And if you can do that, you know, you might not even need a stitch. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's remember that you're you're designed to birth and you're designed mm-hmm. to heal. Yeah, and that's what that's what we've done. So. We, we left early in the morning um, <clears throat> and we're in fall here. We're going into fall. So it was dark and it was just that car ride is something I'll always remember because it was like, we, I just felt cocooned still. I felt cocooned in this darkness. Um, the stars were out. It was just the three of us who were driving home, um, just kind of reflecting on on the whole experience and I remember telling Brandon, I was like, you know, people say it's the most, it's like one of the most difficult things you'll ever do. And I was like, I think it's up there. You know, it was one of the most difficult experiences. And he goes, really? He was like, honey, he was like, I was there and you were meant for this, you know? And um, so we got home and it's just been, it's, the whole thing has been obviously life-changing, but it's been so positive from my pregnancy to this birth. I don't think anyone has that kumbaya experience, but for me, it wasn't that, but it was a rite of passage. And my takeaways from birth were, I mean, obviously um, my husband, I just felt like it opened a different chapter for us. Like, of course I knew he loved me unconditionally and, but it just really, having him there and going through that together um, and feeling supported in that way just opened another chapter for us. And so that was one of my takeaways. And the other one is just how amazing I am. Women are, it's just really empowering. It's a really empowering experience. So that's been great. And postpartum has been wonderful. I live, um, unfortunately, America is the way it is. But I happen to live in one of three states that does maternity and paternity. Um, 
So I have four months off paid. Brandon has three months off paid. Wow. So that's, I know. Thank you, Washington State. Wow. But, uh, Amazing. I know. Everyone it's in the a, U.S. just move to Washington State when you give back. I know. <laughs> and you can move Washington, back to wherever you live. California. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure what the third state is. But, yeah, so we've had such so it's been a month since our son was born and like I said it's going into fall so it's just been these gorgeous sunny you know leaves are changing days and and I have I have rested you know I didn't leave the house for two weeks um I didn't leave the level of the house like I did no steps for a couple weeks and I'd sit out on the porch, you know, and get some sunshine and nurse. Um, and we live in a small community and it's just been, um, it's just been beautiful mm-hmm. to have this support. I've never felt more supported through my entire life than I have through pregnancy and this. And yeah, it's been, um, it's been life-changing for so many reasons, but I feel really lucky. Beautiful. Wow, Amy, what a beautiful story. And I you know I think you really um, said something wise there about, you know, in a roundabout way you said that your birth wasn't easy. And I think that's really important to like fully truly understand, right? It's not easy. It's not meant to be no. easy. It's a rite of passage for a reason. And I think that the better you can meet labor and birth is with that real realization that this is going to be hard I'm going to need every ounce of me body mind and soul to conquer this challenge but we are made for it and we can do it and most of the time right and most of the time it's your mind 100% that you really need to prepare and you know again this is why you know I started this podcast because one of the most important things is to rewire that subconscious mind and to really filter in also your conscious mind just these stories of like understanding body mind and soul that you were made for this listen to all these women's stories like understand the different ways you can give birth and and you know, some have really quick births, some have really, really long births, you know, and that you don't know who you're going to be until you step onto that birth altar. You don't know. And it's good to be prepared for all scenarios. And um, yeah, you know what you need to do to prepare, you know. And I really wish that more women would um, prioritize time in pregnancy and even before to really prepare body, mind, and soul for this. That's what really it's for. Mm. Yeah, I early on in my pregnancy, I we went to a wedding and I saw a naturopath friend of mine who had moved away years ago, but she did home births for a long time. And you know, I told her I was pregnant, and she and I was nervous because I was nervous. I was afraid in the beginning of my pregnancy. Yeah. Um, she goes, Amy. She goes, you have eight months. Cause I was you know, really newly pregnant. She goes, you have eight months. That's, she was, you know, she said it in such a positive way. Like, this is your time, like invest in yourself. And that was, 
I really did like Birthing from Within, that first book I read, because the first thing it says is, what do you need to know to give birth? Like what, and it's going to be different for everyone. Um, So just that time was so important to me. And I'm proud of myself. You know, I went into birth, I felt like with my head on straight, um, ready to get to work. And, um, and yeah, that is going to look different for everyone. And I would just really encourage, you know, even a, a conversation is just a conversation. It's just words or a podcast is just, it's just, it's just words, mm. but it really is transformative. Um, and it just gets that ball rolling yes. to, to where you are, to where you need to be when mm. you go in. So, yeah, exactly. Yes, storytelling is is very potent and powerful. It's it's you know been around for eons as long as man has been able yeah. to converse. You know, in some shape or form, we have been telling stories, and so it's a very potent tool, actually. You know, yeah. to listen to someone tell a story, and that's why also you know, you know, I love the medium of online courses because it's also the same thing. You know, it's bite sized stories of really important information, but it's like digestible or you know, or working with someone that can find you where you're at and tell you exactly what you need to yeah. know, you know. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much, Amy. So if you had a first time mom in front of you right now, I mean, you know, I know you've shared a lot already, but she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth and you have the wisdom now. What advice and pearls of wisdom would you give to her? I think some of the best advice I got was just stop doubting yourself. Like right now, I know that's maybe easier said than done, but once someone told me that, I remember thinking about it that whole day and it's so true. Stop, just stop now. (laughs) Um, Stop yesterday because, because your body knows the way ultimately. Um, And you can do it. We were saying that earlier, you can. Um, And so while fear is that, maybe natural response it really has no it has no place in your birthing room um and you can be gentle with yourself and acknowledge it but just stop doubting yourself because your body's amazing and I think I've I've reiterated it many times but really invest um invest that time going into, into birth. Um, your mind is so powerful. And when you surround yourself with those positive stories and you're, you're going to arrive at a positive place. Um, at least that was my experience. So reach out to moms. Um, I had so much fun hearing the birth stories from women in this community. It was everything from come over and have tea to let's go pick a, you know, cottonwood buds and make a solve or, you know, um, come to my office because I'm a lawyer or come to my teepee because I live in the woods. Um, you know, and it's such a welcoming community. I found that mothers want to help you and they will show up for you. And so just reach out and, and you will be welcomed with open arms and beautiful stories. And, mm-hmm. and then you'll, then you'll get to add to that narrative when, when your time comes. So. Yeah. 
Well, thank you and, and you know for coming and adding your bit to the narrative. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Anna. This has been wonderful. And thank you for, uh, for having this space for women to, to hear these stories. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please consider sharing it. Leave a review or make a contribution on our Patreon page. And if you want to connect on social media, then find the podcast on Instagram as The Natural Birth Podcast. Thank you for listening.